Hallelujah. Well, amen. And this scripture goes right along with that. Why we should esteem. Why we should value the Word of God so much. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. We're going to look at a lot of scripture tonight probably. But I tell you, this is I got, I've got a message. God held this off last week because it was fall break. There were people... Probably, I don't know why he held it off, but he, it just wasn't the right timing. So God went a whole nother way last week talking about revival and harvest and, and uh, pouring out of the Spirit. And I forget what else we talked about. Good stuff. Amen. And, uh, but Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed. Well, that explains it all right there. Family, that explains it all. My people are not destroyed because it was God's timing to call them home. My people are not destroyed, uh, you know, because like Pastor said, he's up there playing heavenly bingo, and he wanted to pick a little flower for his garden. No, people are destroyed for what? Lack of knowledge. And so, um, and destroyed is, is in many different dimensions and to different degrees. I mean, you know, there's destroyed and annihilated or annihilated, <laughs> and then there's just, you know, lack. There's just, you know, destroying in our finances, destroying in our homes and so forth. Uh, we have authority. Praise God. Now, we've been talking about giving, I think two weeks ago, we talked about not to give a place to the devil. And we, I told you it was my annual Halloween sermon, something to that effect. And uh, praise God, what better time to, to minister on these things. All, I thought today this ought to be an annual tradition that we expose the unfruitful works of darkness at this time of year. Hallelujah. Praise God. Turn to uh, John 3, 19. John chapter 3, verse 19. And this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Uh, when people don't like light, oops, sorry, when people don't like light and avoid light, there's a reason. Amen? That's the reason right there. I'm going to read John 14:30 from the Amplified Bible, which Pastor read this morning. And I thought, oh boy, there's some more fuel for my, for my sermon because I really well, I saw this scripture. In what I was preaching, John 14, 30, Amplified Bible. I will not talk with you much more, for the prince, evil genius, ruler of the world, is coming, and he has no claim on me. He has nothing in common with me. And look at this part. There is nothing in me that belongs to him. There is nothing in me that belongs to him. I liked that part in light of what we're talking about. And he has no power over me. And so we want to focus on that part tonight, that we have nothing in us that belongs to him. Now, um, we've been talking about things that we could be attached to or have in our possession that would be uh, given to the realm of darkness, that could be more... Uh, associated with realms of darkness. And I want to talk to you tonight about uh, getting rid of those things. I know I gave two weeks ago about more of my testimony about how when we got filled with the Spirit, we saw, we were able to see it uh, into a realm that we had not been able to see before, and we got rid of some things in our home. Even though we were good Christians, it, most people would have considered us good Christians, faithful churchgoers, uh, uh, serving in the local church, on a regular basis, had positions, high positions in that church of leadership. Even though we were very young, uh, we still had high positions of leadership because we came from a church that if you came three services, you was going to get a high, three services a week, you was getting a high position of leadership. It didn't matter. Actually, you didn't have to come that much. If you just showed up, you know, a couple of times a week, you got a high position of leadership. You were considered deacon material. 
And so, uh, and certainly we didn't know enough to be deacons. I mean, there's no way we did. And we weren't deacons, but, but we were on our way to being deacons. At least that's what they told us when they said, if you don't quit this spirit-filled stuff, we're going to kick you out because we were fixing to make you a deacon. And that was one of the threats of, to us. But it's dishonoring to God when we play with the things of the devil. When we fool around with the things of the devil, you know, there's some things that uh, I'm, I'm not the kind. I don't want to be, uh, what do you call it? I don't want to be weird. You know, and man, oh, you know, every little jack-o'-lantern, oh, you know, it's, it's, got, it's putting out demon spirits. And I don't believe like that. I mean, I'm sitting in a restaurant, a jack-o'-lantern can be sitting beside me, it bothers me none. That stuff doesn't have any power over us. But I think that when we trivialize it and say, oh, well, this stuff doesn't mean much, and we set it around our house and stuff, I believe that what we do when we know better is we dishonor God. I believe it's dishonoring. And so uh, um, that's why I'm preaching some of these messages tonight, but mainly I'm preaching it because God said He wanted us completely free in 2003, and I think there's some subtle little things that have creeped in on some of the body of Christ. I know even through preparing some of these messages in the last month and so that I've been working on this, that I have actually had a refreshing in my house cleaning. I threw away some stuff that had creeped in in my house. I was going through some old trinkets that we had uh, gotten down out of the attic. Pastor got on a cleaning spree, got in the attic, and he brought some boxes down going through some of that stuff. I saw some things, and I just thought, you know, I don't think I had a demon in my attic because I had that stuff up there, but I do think, I thought, why am I holding on to this old thing that don't honor God from my childhood? It was a childhood trinket. And so I just ripped it off. It was on a charm bracelet. I just ripped it off and throwed it in the trash. Hallelujah. Just because it, it's, I want, you know, God is my father. I want everybody and the devil to know it. And I don't want, I don't want to have anything in me that belongs to him yeah. or that's associated with his kingdom. I want it known I hate his kingdom. I am totally opposed to it. Amen? Praise God. So I, I'm aggressive about that. First, are we at 1 Corinthians 10? Did I tell you all that? 1 Corinthians 10. Y'all are supposed to be in the Spirit now. 1 Corinthians 10, 20. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 20. But I say that the things with the gen, which the Gentiles sacrifice, Gentiles always means heathen. When it talks about Gentiles, it's always talking about heathen. Okay? When the Bible talks about Gentiles, he's talking about heathen. But I say that the things which the heathens sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Now how much plainer can you get than that? I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Ye cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. That's pretty simple right there. So that tells me that there are people that are not getting the benefit from the table of the Lord, from communion when they take it. That's the table of the Lord. Uh, they're not getting the benefit of their salvation and of the healing power of God because they're trying to commune with two different realms, two different kingdoms. We ought to be more aware that there are two realms. We ought to be more aware that there are two realms and there's this natural... Sometimes we talk about, well, the natural realm and the spirit realm and we say, well, the natural realm, like that's a good realm, just not as good as the supernatural realm. But the natural realm is 
is the realm that the enemy is the God of this world. And we'll look at that more. Uh, uh, many of us are suffering today because we have sometimes willfully and sometimes ignorantly invited possessions and behaviors into our homes that defile the atmosphere and give the devil a door to affect our lives and the lives of our children. Now I want to say, as Pastor said this morning, the devil doesn't have a right to. But it, just because he doesn't have a right to do anything in your life doesn't mean he's not going to try. We have to enforce the victory that Jesus won for us. We have to, we, we, we have to enforce uh, the, the law of God, the laws of God the, that are for our benefit, or the enemy will run roughshod over us. Everybody understand that? We have been given authority over the devil, and we are to live on the offensive. Mark chapter 16 says, and you know this, we could just quote it, but we'll turn there. Mark 16 talks about your authority that you have over the enemy. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, and he that believeth. So it's not just talking about preachers, is it? He that believeth. And we can drop down there to the last part of... Um, or the middle part of verse 17, it says, In my name they shall they cast out devils. You've been given authority. You're going, but, but obviously, the, the, the Lord's telling you here, you're going to have to do something about the devil. Hallelujah. And every believer can do something. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. We're going to look at the, the word side of this, and then we're going to get to some practicalities in a minute. He said, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So we've been given power. We've been given power over all the power of the enemy. So the enemy has power, doesn't he? Actually, that word power is better translation would be authority. You have been given authority over all the power of the enemy. You have authority over him. Amen? Praise God. Well, you know, the enemy knows whether we know that or not. And pretty much he knows when we play around with... And Halloween's just a good example because it's sitting right here on us about a week and a half away. But when we play around with stuff like that, he pretty much knows they don't know. They don't know. They don't know they have authority. They don't know the power. They don't know I have power. They don't know I'm, you know, they don't know I'm behind it. Amen. Joshua 1. You know, some people are more concerned that their kids have a good time than they are in pleasing God. Give me strength, family. Now, I'm not talking to y'all, I know. But I mean, I'm giving y'all some good fuel for your fire. Hallelujah. I'm giving you some good things to back you up and watch you. I know, but you know, people don't are more concerned that their kids get candy. I am like, give me strength. Now, 25 years ago, 40 years ago, you know, I know my mom, you know, well, we got one little stick of candy. You know, they walked to school uphill both ways, 10 miles in the snow. You know, everybody back in them days did. <laughs> they did, and you know they got one stick of candy at Christmas, and four orange, three three oranges in their stocking, and two apples, and that was Christmas. But kids today have more candy than they need every day of their life. More candy than is healthy every day of their life. That is ridiculous. I mean, let's think straight. Amen. Joshua one. I can't find Joshua. Y'all help me. Oh, I know. Joshua judges. I know. Joshua 1. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to read about Joshua here and read 1 through 9, and then we'll read some more another place. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke unto, spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan now, and all this people unto the land, which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates. Let's drop down to five. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto the fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper wherever soever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whither Whatsoever thou goest. Now, over and over, God tells Joshua, I'm going to be with you everywhere you go, everywhere the foot of your foot, shoal of your foot treads, you're going to have victory. And he said there, he told them in verse 5 uh, that not any man was going to be able to stand before them. They would never fight a battle, they wouldn't win. I mean, that's what he was telling Joshua. But if you go over to chapter 7 of Joshua, and beginning in verse 1, we see something totally opposite to that taking place. It says, But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside beth on the east side of Bethel and spake unto them saying go up and view the country and the men went up and viewed Ai and they returned to Joshua and said unto him let not all the people go up but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai and make not all the people to labor thither for they are but few now Joshua and his people had just defeated Jericho just like God had told them, nobody was able to stand up before them. So they go over there and spy out the land in Ai, and they said, man, this is a piece of cake after Jericho. We don't need very many at all. Just give us two or 3,000 men. Verse 4, so there went up thither of the people about 3,000 men, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai smote of them about thirty and six men, for they chased them from before the gate, even unto Shebarim, and smote them in the going down. Wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. And Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide, he and the elders of Israel, and put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us unto the hand of the Amorites? to destroy us, would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. And he goes on, I mean, he's blaming God, isn't he? Oh, I think sometimes we have that tendency too. Something starts going wrong in our lives and we don't look for what we did wrong or what we've got, what we've got in our lives that we need to correct. But we say, well, it's not working like Pastor said. This faith stuff's not working or we want to blame God. I don't understand. Lord, you promise. This is one of a famous religious scripture that religious like to pull out. Lord, you promised you would not allow more 
more than we could bear to be put upon us. And Lord, it's getting close. It's just close to more than I could bear. You know, not ever thinking it had not nothing to do with God. And he goes on there, and we, we where, where, where did we stop? Y'all help me. Seven. O Lord, verse 8, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us around and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up. You know, God gets tired of people whining. Get thee up. Wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Why are you begging me? Why are you hollering at me? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have even taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen, and have dis dissembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. So they had something that was accursed, something from the city of Jericho, to be specific, that they had been told to utterly destroy all that stuff, and not to bring any of that stuff of the heathen, any of that stuff of the Gentiles, any of that stuff of the world. They were told not to bring that into their homes and they had those things hidden under their tents and it caused them to be destroyed in this battle. Now we can learn a lot of things from this reading this scripture, but we aren't going to take the time to learn a lot of things from it. We're going to learn one thing from it. And one of those things is that sometimes physical things carry spiritual significance. Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes physical things carry spiritual significance. Now we find that happening over and over in the Word. Think about the physical thing, the lamb's blood in the Bible. They were to take the blood of lambs. Let me ask you, did that lamb's blood have spiritual significance? Now in the natural, it was just lamb's blood. But in the spirit realm, when they put that lamb's blood above their doorpost, the Bible says it caused the death angel to pass over. Another thing that had spiritual significance was the tabernacle and all its furnishings and all its utensils. Their spoons, their, 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 their uh, lamp stands, all the stuff, that, all the utensils that they had, every one of them had a spiritual significance, even though if you looked at them, they looked just like the spoons probably that you ate out of at home that and then you know it looked that's like the knife you used at home to cut the meat but it had spiritual significance if it was used in the tabernacle I mean even the what the doors I mean the sides of the tabernacle the certain kind of skins and and you know certain kind of rings that they put over the uh, all of that had spiritual significance now over in the New Testament some natural things that have spiritual significance are water baptism in reality, it's just a tub full of water. I mean, if you look at it in the natural. In the natural. But in the spirit, it has great spiritual significance. Water baptism. Another thing that has spiritual significance that's really just natural stuff is the communion table or the Lord's table. In the natural, it's just grape juice and unleavened or leavened bread, depending on what we decide to use. We're one of, we believe in both. Because Jesus used, Jesus, they used unleavened bread in Passover. But when he had the final supper with the disciples, he used leavened bread symbolizing the resurrection. In the Passover, the unleavened bread means is the absence of sin. But in the final Lord's table, he used, so we just use whichever one strikes us. You know, if we have a loaf, we use it and we say, praise God for the resurrection. If we have unleavened bread or crackers, we say, praise God for no sin. <laughs> you know, hallelujah, we just praise God either way. But you know, in reality, it's just crackers. We've even served communion at our house when we didn't have juice. We've used water. 
You know, we've even had communion and it was wine. I know the first charismatic pastor that we had after we came out of denominational church, well, one Sunday morning, uh, we were going to all take communion and he had the cup, the, the community cup sitting at the front. And by families, we came up and all drank out of the same cup. And he didn't tell anybody there was real wine in that cup. And so we came up to take communion. You take that first swig and you go, oop. <laughs> and, of course, there was one little boy. He was real little. And he went home and he said, and his mama and the, some people she was with were talking later about, well, Glenn, that was the pastor, he had real wine. And, 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 uh, and Brent said, you mean that was, he said, well, I thought it burned, but I thought that was the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. But communion can communion is something that really, you know, the world could look at it and say, that's water. I mean, that's wine. I mean, that's uh, juice. I'm going to get this right. It could have been water. If they, or, you know, that's just crackers. Or that's just, you know, we've used that Hawaiian bread. You know, that, Hawaii, that big round Hawaiian bread you can buy at the grocery store. We used that one time. We was having a house blessing party. And we was going to have communion. So we had the Hawaiian bread sitting on the counter. I know a friend of ours was there, and she lifted up, took a big old chunk out of it. We said, Joyce, quit. That's the communion bread. Oh, oh, oh. She says, oh, well, David, you know, David went through the temple, and he ate, he ate the bread that was sacrificed. Hallelujah. So she said, it'll, you know, it would be okay. And see, it was in the natural. It, it, didn't any, it didn't harm her. It didn't hurt her. But we turned right around and took that bread with a big hunk out of it. We took it right out into the living room, and we, it, it had spiritual significance. See, that's natural things, having spiritual significance. Anointing oils, another New Testament thing that's really just oil. I know when I was first filled with the Spirit, well, no, no, before that, I wasn't filled with the Spirit. I was just a little Baptist girl. Colin was sick all the time. My granny lived about three and a half hours away. She's spirit-filled. And, you know, I'm talking to her on the phone. Well, and, you know, he's, he was sick. You know, he, had, he was battling allergies and all sorts of stuff, and I didn't even have any sense, and I didn't have sense. God gave a goose. And, uh, and so she said, well, Debbie, you know, anoint him with oil and pray for him. Well, I didn't like, I don't know, and I didn't have any olive oil. I didn't know, so I'm like, okay, baby oil, that'll work. So I went and got baby oil and anointed him with oil, and I prayed some little Baptist prayer. I don't know what I prayed. And you know, God honored it, and God touched him that day. Amen. But it has spiritual significance, but in the natural, it was just baby oil. Amen. Uh, in the, another one that's real big in the Old Testament was the brass serpent on the pole. It was just a piece of brass. But it had very much spiritual significance. It had good spiritual significance. When they put that brass serpent on the pole, the Bible says everybody looked on it, got healed. But you know, 400 years later, God had one of His men destroy that thing because they were worshiping that thing. It was having a negative, negative spiritual uh, uh, connotation. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, you know what it says. It talks about that we've been made new creatures in Christ. That we're new creatures. Behold, old things are passed away. All things are become new. God expects us. He's given us a new life and He expects us to do some new kind of living. So a new way of living. In Ephesians chapter 5, you can turn there. So, so natural things can have spiritual significance. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. Now the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us and He is our guide and He is our teacher and He wants to show us these things. And if we're sensitive to Him and we'll listen to Him, He will. But a lot of the Christians rationalize things and block things out. I know I told you about how I used to rationalize things and block things out. I want to hear from heaven. I want Him to show me. Amen? 
And I don't have, shouldn't have to have a reason. If I, if I walk up to something and I go, something's not right about this, that should be reason enough. My spirit inside of me telling me something's not right about this. Hallelujah. If I meet a person and I go, something's not right about this. Something's not right in this situation. You know what? I ought to get out of there. I shouldn't reason it out. Say, oh, it'll be okay. I shouldn't even say, oh, God will protect me. He's got His aim. Listen, if you're violating the Holy Spirit trying to tell you something in your heart, God is not obligated to protect you. Now, He might do that a few times when you're a baby, but there is, you know, this is the Sunday night crowd. There's not any babies in this room. So I can say that. Amen? Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 8. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. So he, gets, he makes it real plain here. I mean, it's not like God's real, well, you know. No, he's plain. He's very plain. In Exodus 20, verse 3, he tells us, I'm going to turn over there. I'll be there and gone because it's so short before you get there. So just listen. Exodus 20. Well, I said I would. I'm trying. 23. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. He can't be any more plain than that, can he? And then in Deuteronomy 18, just reviewing a little bit of Scripture here on what we talked about before. Deuteronomy 18, verse 9. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abomination of those nations. Nations, they're also talking about heathen nations. We should not learn to do after the abomination of those nations. Heathen nations. You know, heathen nations and heathen practices of heathen nations have infiltrated our society here. Uh, um, there's a, we didn't talk about this last week, but uh, geomancy, I can't, might not be saying that right, but that has to do with, uh, well, you have to have things set a certain way. It's, ge it's geometry. It's a witchcraft type of geometry, and you have to have things set a certain way in your house. And even Freemasons are into this. You know, it has to be set up a certain way. You've got to be facing the east, and you've got to be, I don't know what all. I mean, I don't go into that. But anyway, that's a, that's a witchcraft type of thing. Well, one thing that's infiltrated our society is something I read in decorator books called Feng Shu, I believe it's called, where you have to have a certain color when you walk in the house so you'll get this certain thing. And you have to have a certain chairs placed in certain places. See, and then, you know, that's in all the decorator books. That's a big thing now is to, ha is to have somebody come over and Feng Shu your house. <laughs> Hallelujah. But see how Eastern or heathen nation practices, that's just a small example, but the practices of heathen nations have infiltrated our society but he says when you go into the land you you're not to do after the abomination of those nations there shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire or that useth divination or an observer of times or an enchanter or a witch or a charmer or a consulter with familiar spirits or a wizard or a necromancer and that's one that consults the dead, a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord, and because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. 
So we're forbidden right there. If you don't find any other scripture, we are forbidden to engage or participate in things that are witchcraft. Lots of objects in this world are neither good nor bad. But whatever they're used for determines whether they're good or bad. We talk about money as one of those things. It's neither evil, neither is it good, but what it's used for. It can be used uh, for a drug ring or it can be used to build an orphanage, which would be a good thing. And so whatever it's used for determines what, its goodness. Now that's the way some objects are in this world. But Josh, just like Joshua, when he sought God, God showed him the defiled thing. If we will be like Joshua and we'll seek God, He will show us if there's anything defiled in our homes. Nothing in our lives that attracts demons and nothing that dishonors God. That's what the Lord showed me. Nothing that attracts demons, but also nothing that dishonors God. And so we're going to go over some things in just a second about that. But first turn to 2 Corinthians 4.18. Hallelujah. Now we moved right along fast through that, but I know you catch it. 2 Corinthians 4.18. But this is a scripture the Lord specifically gave me as I've been meditating on this and preparing for it. There's lots of ways we could use this scripture, and but I want to show it to you this way tonight. 2 Corinthians 4.18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, which for which the things that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What the Lord showed me is that if you look at a jack-o'-lantern, just for an example, on the surface... If you look in the scene realm, it's like this is a, especially have you seen those that are a little plastic and they got a little handle on top for them to put candy in? It's like this is orange plastic. This is nothing. And it's like, don't get real upset about this. This is nothing. But he, the Lord said, to, to every object, we can't look on the scene that we're a people called to operate in a different realm and that we're to look on the unseen realm concerning all these objects. And that's the problem with most Christians why they don't see this. is because they're just looking on the scene and they go, oh, it's cute. You know it's cute. Look at that cute little face there. Well, when you begin to look on the unseen realm, all of a sudden it don't look cute anymore, for one thing. But uh, we have a different idea of what's cute. And we still like cute. I mean, we say cute so much at our house that Carter says... Isn't that cute? I mean, he hears his mother and me say, that's cute. And he said, that's cute, isn't it, Nanny? That's cute, isn't it? Yeah, that's cute, Carter. <laughs> so we're not out of cute, but, you know, we just have a different, different uh, criterion now. The symptoms of spiritual pollution. Now, I'm going to give you some symptoms that can be, and you just listen. Sudden illness, chronic illness, recurrent bad dreams, and nightmares. Insomnia. See, we want to attribute everything to physical. If our kid's bouncing off the wall, oh, the doctor says he's got ADD, attention deficit disorder. Did you ever think about, there's another realm out there. There's another realm out there. I've seen most of, I'm not saying every kid. I've seen a lot of kids that had that. Their parents said they had it, and I wanted to cast the devil out of them. Some of them I wanted to get the paddle and I could have took care of it in three days at my house with the paddle. They would, I'd have had their attention, and it wouldn't have been at a deficit anymore. But a lot of times there's something out there, there's things in the spirit realm. And what their parents are subjecting to them to on a daily basis are causing their children to have all sorts of problems. Recurrent bad dreams, nightmares, insomnia, unusual sleepiness. 
Think about that. And I've seen more Christians tell me every time I go to read the Word, I fall asleep. Family, there's something behind that. There's something behind that that you can deal with. Um, you know, um, I, I heard a testimony recently from Edith Ward Heflin, who's Ruth Ward Heflin's mother. Ruth Ward Heflin's gone on to be with the Lord. Her mother's still around, and she's older and old. And uh, she's nearly as old as God. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but anyway, she's been around a long time, long, long time. And um, so um, she said they were coming home from a meeting one night, and she didn't drive well at night, so she got her niece to drive. And she said she just looked out the window of the car, and there's a demon right along beside him in the car. And she said, I didn't want to scare my niece, so I didn't say anything. She said, I wasn't scared because I knew I was under the blood. And so I wasn't scared, so I didn't say anything. But she said a few days later, I was relating that to someone, and my niece overheard me, and she came and said, you know, Aunt Edith, I didn't want to say anything to you because I didn't want to scare you. But she said, I was so sleepy. I was fighting to stay awake. You know, have you ever heard of people having wrecks because somebody went to sleep at the wheel? I'm not saying every time. Because some people really are sleep-deprived and they hadn't slept in four days. Well, you know, you can't blame a demon for that. But there are times when people, when demons actually cause things like that. Hallelujah. We don't have to live there. Children who don't or won't sleep. Uh, behavioral problems in children. I guess behavioral problems in adults too. Relational problems. Continual fighting. Continual strife in your house. If you have continual strife in your house, and both of you are committed Christians, and you really, and but you, and you can't figure out how do we get here. Think about it. Um, uh, let's see. Um, continual fighting, arguing, misinterpreted communication. You know, the devil wants to cause offense. Even in the church, he will try to cause you to misinterpret something somebody's communicated. He'll say, well, they really think this about you. When you start hearing things like that, you've got to know it's the devil. He's trying to divide and conquer. And you need to resist him and say, no, I'll not think that thought about my brother, about my sister. Amen. Okay, lack of peace. Just can't get settled in peace. I've known people, I've actually had a friend was this way. She could not just sit down. She was like always, when she'd get in from work, she would like stay there a minute, but then she's in the car just driving the streets. And I, remind, I thought of that when, when, she, when she would told me about that. I thought about it and I thought, you know, this has been many years ago, but I thought, you know, the Bible talks about that in Job, how the devil roams the earth. He just can't be still. He's roaming the earth. If you can't be still, if you can't settle down, hallelujah, there's a reason for that. Restless, disturbed children. Unexplained illness. There are demons that carry symptoms and carry disease. And you know, when you go to the doctor and they say, we can't find nothing, and you know you're sick, you know something's wrong. Honey, I'm telling you, God's telling you. Bondage to sin. Ghosts or demonic apparitions. Young children are especially susceptible to seeing ghosts, to seeing demonic apparitions. They see in the spirit realm better than we do. They're also more able to see angelic creatures better than we are. Uh, poltergeists. This is movement of physical objects by demons. If things move in your house, you've got a problem. Have you ever come in your house and thought, I know I didn't set that there. I, and I'm not trying to get you suspicious, but if this happens a lot, foul or unexplainable odors. If you walk into a certain pound of your house and you smell something, 
And there's and it's unexplainable. Now, one time this happened to us. We lived, of course, we always pray over our houses before we buy them. Listen, if you're buying something you didn't build, you better pray and make sure God's sending you to that house and to that neighborhood. He knows what lives next door. He knows what lives behind. He knows what's li- moving in next door. And he's real smart, too. I know I, the people over in some neighborhood, they're just so upset because um, something commercial is building on the lot next to them. And I'm like, well, I might be upset, too, but, you know, if there's an empty lot beside you, duh, they're acting like they're shocked. It's like, you know, you may be mad, and I'd be mad, too, but you don't have a right to be mad. Amen. And so, uh, uh, buyer, buyer beware. Buyer beware. You need to pray before you act. Amen. There's houses that are literally had all manner of stuff done to them. I know I heard a story about a house that, uh, man, these people had problems after they moved in this house. And they just could not get the problem solved. All sorts of problems. Can't remember what. And so they had some people that they trusted them spiritually. Uh, to come over to their house to pray. And the little boy of the people that was coming over to pray, when they was walking up the door, he's like a little boy. He said, Mama, he said, I saw some satanic signs painted on walls. And, and they, they, but when they got there, they didn't see anything. So they just thought, well, we'll mention it to the couple. And so they said, well, you know, this may be nothing, but the little boy said he saw satanic signs painted on the wall. And... And, and on rafters. He saw it painted on rafters. So the people said, well, you know what? When we moved in here, there were satanic signs painted in the garage. And he said, we painted over them. And, and, and they said, well, he said he saw them on rafters too. And they said, what? they said, what's in your attic? And they said, well, uh, nothing. There's nothing up there. And they prayed. And they just had a prayer meeting there. And they just kept saying, that guy kept thinking, you know, we need to go in the attic. So they went in the attic and got to scouting around. And sure enough, they found on one rafter a satanic symbol painted or carved or something into one rafter on that house. And they were having all sorts of problems living there. So uh, where am I at now? I was at unexplained, oh no, I was at ghosts or demonic apparitions, poltergeists, movement of physical objects by demons, foul, unexplainable odors. I was going to tell you, I moved in the house. We'd been there a while. We pray over our houses. It was the right thing to do. It was the right house to be in. But I'm sitting in the living room, and every once in a while I just get this whiff. I'm just like... And it smells like mouse or something. Dead rat, dead mouse. And I'll just be sitting there and I get this whiff. And then and Michael, but of course I'm the nose at our house. He can't smell it like I can. And he, I don't smell nothing. The kids, I don't smell anything. And it wasn't all the time. You'd just be sitting there watching TV or something. Here come this whiff. Finally, he just got tired of it after about two months listening to me. He just went out in the garage, got a sledgehammer, and knocked a hole in the wall. Sure enough, there was a dead mouse down in the wall, between the walls. In that, li- See? When I tell you I smell something, I promise you I smell something. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> I'm not imagining this. Atmospheric heaviness. Atmospheric heaviness, even to the point of making it hard to breathe. It's not always, well, you can't breathe there, but it can just be a heavy feel. Continual nausea, continual headaches. Okay. What kind of objects can defile? Things that do not reflect the goodness, righteousness, or truth and character of God. This can be anything from furniture, clothing. Can you have you ever you see any satanic clothing running around town? Yes, no, yes. Uh, jewelry. There's satanic jewelry, paintings, occult items, sculptures, statues, books, magazines, 
CDs, records, posters, audio cassettes, videos, religious icons, and rosary beads. Hallelujah. Anything related to heathen worship. Anything related to heathen worship we should not have in our houses. Voodoo dolls. Now, these are typically sold as just little trinkets. I know when I was a little girl, I think I was about three or four. I still remember this lady to this day. And I had, was, had, this lady was babysitting me. And her little daughter had a voodoo doll that her, mother, her boyfriend had given her. And I was about three or four. And I played with that voodoo doll. And I don't know. I, I, I broke it, I'm sure, some way. And the, this girl was a senior in high school. She slapped me. So I told my mama, her daughter slapped me, Anna. And so she told the babysitter. And, of course, the babysitter got her in trouble for slapping me. But we was up at Rio Dosa not too long ago. And, you know, that lady was had a booth at one of the uh, places up there, the girl that slapped me. I thought, I don't want to go to that because I don't want to see her. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm just kidding you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anyway, what goes around comes around, doesn't it? Yeah, be, be careful who you slap. Spirit masks. You know, spirit masks are real popular uh, decorator things right now. Dragons. Thunderbirds, phoenixes. I talked about this, all that. I'm so glad, you know, if you live in New Mexico, people decorate with Indian stuff that's full of witchcraft. Hallelujah. Uh, things related to past sin. Now, something you might not have thought about. Things related to past sin. If you have an old adulterous relationship or maybe just an old fornication relationship and you've got necklaces, rings, love letters, photos from old sin relationships then those things are not spiritually healthy. Things with unknown history which are not necessarily evil. In other words, you go to an antique store and you buy something. You ought to pray about it first. Pray, the one lady said, pray, dedicate, and discard. Pray and dedicate, and if that don't work, and you still have an uneasy feeling about something somebody's given you or whatever you bought, then discard it. When in doubt, get rid of it is my theory. Anything that has become a God in our life. Any collection that's a God. You need to be so free in the things in your house that nothing, no heirloom, nothing means so much to you that it's just like whatever. I walk through my house and I say, whatever. I don't care. None of it means anything. None of it's, none of it. I like that's pretty, but hallelujah. I try to rotate it pretty often just so I don't get attached. You're, you're subject to leaving my house at any time if you're a... Some people say, well, you know, they just can't get rid of stuff. I, they don't understand the tithe. The tithe says so much comes to you. I, the more I get rid of, the more it comes. I tell you, I've had more decorator stuff than most people ever. And why? Because I just have this continual get rid of it. Give it away. Get rid of it. Move it on. Some people said, well, I want to save that. I might need it later. My theory is I'll just buy new later. You know, we need to be free with the things and not let it shouldn't have a hold on us. Antiques shouldn't have a hold on us. Clothing should not have a hold on us. Clothing used to have a hold on me. Not my clothes. My this is so stupid, I hate to tell it. My child's clothes that he had outgrown. My my Collins clothes. I'm always loved to buy kids' clothes. I still love to buy kids' clothes better than anything. I'd rather buy kids' clothes than my clothes. And uh, I bought him so many clothes that he had clothes he never wore that still had tags on them. And I would, and I had them saved in big, big plastic trash cans. I don't know what size. Big plastic trash cans. And I'm not talking about one or two trash cans. I'm talking about four, or five, or six trash cans. 
Seven trash cans. <laughs> and I am saving these clothes. Saving them. Wouldn't give them to anybody that might need them or could use them or have been blessed by them in sea graves. That was stupid. I can't believe I was so ignorant. But I, was, I, was a, I had an attachment to those clothes. You know, the devil can try to get you attached to anything. I'm not attached to it anymore. Uh, money. You can be a, people are attached to money. If you'd rather save than give, you're too attached to money. Wow. Jewelry. People, women can be really attached to jewelry. Another thing that can cause problems is games. Dungeons and Dragons, Masters of the Universe, Pokemon, which is sim, is, means pocket monster. Video games. Any video games with witchcraft, extreme violence, demonic or occult entities. You know, I thought about, I was meditating, I talked to Pastor, I'm, I'm talking to him about this, I'm like, okay, violence. Now what is extreme violence. And I came to the conclusion that extreme violence is unnatural violence. I mean, if you watch a war movie, there was violence in war, and that's true to life. That's true to life violence. Right? I wouldn't constitute true to life violence as extreme violence. But you know, have you ever seen these things? I don't know what they are. I can't even name any because I had not seen any. But where it's just one constant violent act that is just gruesome, gory, and it has no reality in life. Huh? Slashers? Hmm. Never heard of that. Anyway, okay, whatever you say, Kevin. I'll agree with that. Uh, any video games with witchcraft, extreme violence, demonic or occult entities. A lot of them are demonic and a lot of them are occult. Buddhist, Hindu, or other Eastern worship artifacts. You know, little Buddhas and all that kind of stuff. Eastern worship things. Dragons, that's a lot into the Eastern worship. Um, art and pagan worship items. The Ankh, is that how you say it? A-N-K-H, the cross with the loop on top. That is a demonic symbol. If you don't, here's the, what the Lord told me. If you don't know what it means, don't wear it. If you're going to wear it, investigate what it means. Amen. Uh, new age. Anything to do with the new age. Yoga. Now, you know, uh, my friend Oprah, who I like Oprah. I can't help it. I like her. And uh, I just, maybe I got compassion for her. I like her. And she's a, she does some good things. But she's mixed up on some things. She's mixed up because she's hungry and nobody's giving her the truth. But she wants to promote yoga and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, you're going to have to be alert. You, uh, unity. You know, that's like the Unitarian type thing. Uh, zodiac, the crescent moon, crystal ball, pyramids, obelisks, totem poles, and martial arts. I don't, not, any, not everybody agrees with me, but I was like, I wouldn't let my kids have nothing to do with martial arts. And like I said, I know everybody doesn't agree, but everybody has a spirit be led. Astrology, <coughs> horoscopes, geomancy. I was talking about that a while ago. That means arranging your home and life according to geometry and spiritism. And then I, uh, Edgar Casey and all psychics. Did y'all see that thing on TV? It was on the news about the 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 Cubs, the the Cubs, the and the Red Sox. Is it the Red Sox? Do I have do I have the right teams? I know. Okay, the Cubs and the Red Sox. They were like they cannot win or something because there's this curse against them. They're saying this. 
And then they went and interviewed, they didn't interview anybody that know anything much, but they interviewed all these psychics about that. You know, is there, did, did anybody see that but me and Lawrence? Y'all saw it? Nobody else watches the news? Don't, y'all don't watch sports? <laughs> well, anyway, um, they say that the Cubs can't win because something about a goat back in the 1950s, something they did to a goat, and then something else. I can't remember. Can you, you want to tell this story, Lawrence? You might have this. <laughs> Come on, tell this story. Well, the story is, and I don't know if you heard it or not, but in 1905, there's a man coming to the World Series that the Chicago Cubs were playing, and he wanted to bring his goat in the stadium with him, and they wouldn't let him do it. And he said, well, all right, you won't let me come in there and bring my goat. Now, this is, uh, I take that back, it's 1908, because it's been 95 years since it had been in the World Series. He said, because you won't let me bring my goat in the stadium, you're not ever going to be playing the World Series again. You know, he just, just placed a curse on them. And in 19, I think it's 18, I believe it was right. <laughs> it was 95 years since they'd been in the World Series, so that's be 1908. And in 1918, I think it was, uh, I think I got the right year, Babe Ruth played for the Boston Red Sox. And uh, so they, they sold him to the New York Yankees. And he said, because you sold me to the New York Yankees, he didn't want to go. And, of course, the, Roy and I was talking about this yesterday evening, I think it was, and because he did not want to go, the man actually had great financial benefit, the things he wanted to line up for his team, but Babe Ruth didn't want to go to the Yankees. He wanted to stay in Boston. So he said, all right, because you send me over there, you'll not be in the World Series, not in this century nor the next century, unless God will have mercy on you, you might make it in the next century. And so they have been under that for all these years. Uh, somebody won't forget that. They, they believe it, so they, they're getting it. <laughs> They believe it. That was my point, is they believe this. Even the psychic said, one of the psychics said, this is never going to end until we quit talking about it. And I thought, well, that was the smartest psychic I ever heard. <laughs> you know, He said, this is not going to end and as long as we perpetuate it and keep talking about it. Well, they believe they're cursed, and so they are, I guess. Hallelujah. And sure enough, it played out this year, didn't it? So, anyway, that's something. Comic books, rock posters, hard rock music, materials with images of darkness. Listen to this. Journals and diaries. You know what? When we keep a journal, now I tried to keep a journal before and I can't do this, but I just can't do it. I can't get there. But why would we write down our stinking thinking? Our depression, our lust, our complaints against God. Now, not everybody's journal or diary, but isn't that what you do is you pour out all your frustration into your journal or your diary? Hallelujah. Pornographic materials, explicit sexual videos, books, cable and satellite TV. I mean, not all cable and satellite, but there's things on there. Internet sites, art with demonic representations, snakes, spirits, death, gargoyles, skulls, and dragons. Uh, I don't like snakes. I don't like pictures of them. I don't like live ones. I don't know about y'all, but to me, they're demonic. Material related to false religions, Mormonism, Jehovah Witnesses. You know, they hand you that stuff. Do you got it in your door? Do you refuse it? Do you take it? Do you burn it? What do you do? Unity Church, Scientology, Ancestral Worship, Islam, Rosicrucianism, which is a Catholic kind of witchcrafty thing, Zen, Hare Krishna, Secret societies, Freemasonry, Eastern Star, Knights of Malta, Skull and Bones. You know, we ought to be smart enough to know that anything with a skull and bones 
You know, we, I mean, it's just pretty, pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? Poison. Uh, children's books and movies. Harry Potter. Uh, be careful of Disney stuff. I've noticed lots of witchcraft in Disney. Spiritual power, unauthorized by God. Anything that has spiritual power, unauthorized by God. I think, you know, well, never mind. Good luck charms, amulets, and fetishes. Masonic aprons, books, rings, oriental yin and yang, fortune-telling objects, tea leaves. Not all, I'm not the tea leaves you're making tea with, but that you're reading. Tarot cards, talisman, uh, movies with occult messages, extreme violence, excessive foul language, explicit sexual content, deviant sexual behavior. I think we need to be careful walking, watching things about homosexuals. Homosexuality is caused by giving in to a demonic spirit who's whispering things in your head. That's basically what causes it. I don't think we ought to be watching it. Books, novels that focus on sensuality or death or destruction, death and dying. Anything to do with death and dying. Folks, 1 Corinthians 15, 26 says that death is our enemy. Just turn over there a minute. 1 Corinthians 15, 26. Some people don't know this. And I'm telling you, if you've got pictures in your house, I've seen people take pictures of caskets, pictures of people in caskets, and I'm like, what is your problem? What, you are deceived. We do not, we should, we should stay as far away from death and dying as we can. We have, there's a certain amount of things we have to do to honor. But I'm telling you, I never looked at anybody in a casket. And I don't plan to. I go to a funeral, and if, they, if by obligation I have to walk by it, I'll walk by it just like this. I don't ever give, I never, if I go to the funeral home, I'm not going to look. Don't ask me to look. I don't want to see it. And I'm not afraid of it. But we're not supposed to be piddling around. And, and I know that there are people that are graced or gifted by God to deal, to be funeral directors, to be, they have to be embalmers. They are gifted by God. And God gives them grace to do it without being affected, mostly. Except I've never seen one that wasn't weird. I hadn't. They're nearly all got hang-ups galore. But they could, I, I know God calls people to do that. He calls florists, because florists, my mom was a florist. We had to go in, we had to place flowers on the casket, we had to pin boutonnieres on the body. Hallelujah. And they, God graces people to do those kind of things. And if you're graced to do it, hallelujah, we'll stand behind you, we'll pray for you, we'll believe with you. But we shouldn't be playing around with death. It is our enemy. Are you there, 1 Corinthians 15, 26? Uh, we may go all night tonight. Uh, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. What is death? It's an enemy. It is our enemy. Some people love it. I know I got an aunt. She's raised in a, in a funeral home, and she, has, she just loves to go to the funeral home. She just loves to go to funerals. She, lo she just loves stuff like that. Well, I mean, she's weird. Everybody in the family knows she's weird. You know? Hallelujah. <laughs> And, but there are people that get into this. Leviticus 21, verse 11. I don't want any, I've told you before, when, if you, when you go on to be with the Lord, you can stay in my scrapbook. We remember you, but we don't hang you on the wall. You're gone. You can hang on our wall as long as you're alive. But when you die, you're gone. I mean, in the, into the scrapbook. And seest among the, oh, how am I not in the wrong place? Deuteronomy, Leviticus, I mean Deuteronomy, and I want Leviticus. Just a second, Leviticus. Leviticus 
Neither shall he go into any dead body, nor defile himself, nor his father or his mother. Look up in verse 10. And he that is a high priest among his brethren, upon whose head the anointing oil was poured, and that is consecrated to put on the garments, shall not uncover his head, nor rend his clothes. Neither shall he go into any dead body, nor defile himself for his father or for his mother. He says, even when it's your father or your mother. Hallelujah. The high priest. Well, let me ask you, what are we? Now, there was one high priest then, and Jesus is our high priest, but the Bible says we have been made priests unto God. And we are priests. And we are to, we are to focus on the life side. We are always to focus on the living side of life. And we have to go, we have to pay our respects, we have to do the honorable thing. And it's right to do the honorable thing. But when you go to the funeral and you go to do the honorable thing, you minister to the living. You focus on the living that are there. And you help the living. You can't do nothing about the dead. Amen? You focus there. Uh, we always pay a price when we deal with the devil. That's something we need to remember tonight. We don't, pay, we don't get by with playing around with the devil's stuff. We pay a price when we deal with the devil. I'm going to keep going. Unholy soul ties, because we're going to finish this. Tiring our soul to people. Don't tie your soul to people that aren't God's will for your life. Mind, our, mind, our soul is our mind, our will, and the emotions. Don't tie your emotions to ungodly people or to people that don't believe. Don't let your soul get tied to them. In friendship or even in love, don't let your soul... Women are more prone to this. Women, and especially young teenage girls, they give their soul to every boy that they date. You need to guard your soul and not give it to... You don't give it to any man except the man God called you to marry. And He never called anybody to be with or marry anybody that didn't believe. He is not offering up any more sacrifices and He's not sacrificing women on the altar and He don't make His children walk through the fire so that they can win somebody to the Lord. If they don't believe the Word and they don't believe preachers, they'll never believe you. Um ungodly to people past or present who are not godly. I mean, we do not need to have soul ties to people who were not godly. I don't care who it was or not God's will. And we have ancestors and you have ancestors and they weren't godly. And we shouldn't be extolling them and exalting them nor giving them a second thought. I mean, adultery was passed down in the generations in my family and I took a stand and broke it and I said that will not pass. But it was passed through many generations on my side. And I'm telling you, we should, I'm, I'm, I have no, I have, I am no, it's like Colin said, I'm no more kin to them, I'm more kin to you. You're of like precious faith, and I am not kin to those folks. They are not in my league, they are not in my class, they are not even in my species, because I'm a new species of being, and they were sinners. And I'm, we don't even give attention to their name. And if you don't know their history, and sometimes we don't know their history, if you don't know their history, you shouldn't have anything to do with them. Oh, uh, anything from your past, souvenirs, trinkets, books, stuffed animals, photos, music albums, jewelry, love letters, clothing, furniture, and wall hangings. When we possess things that are associated with sinful relationship of our former lives without Christ, we insult God. Hallelujah, i got four more scriptures, but I'm just fresh out of time. I better let you go. Let me give you scriptures, you look them up, okay? Acts 19, 18 through 20. Write them down. Acts 19, 18 through 20. Joshua 7, 12 through 13. Deuteronomy 7, 25 through 26. And 1 Corinthians 11, 29 through 32. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now the Lord told me, that there were people in this church 
that needed to be set free from some of this, I don't know what. I mean, I don't know what. But that they weren't walking in the freedom God had for them in 2003 and they needed to deal with some of this is stuff about getting prepared you know it might be a leaflet laying on your table from the Jehovah Witnesses or something I don't know what it is but clean it out amen amen praise God hallelujah stand up together hallelujah